Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I've got one of uh, the world's, I'm going to say one of the world's foremost um, voices, knowledge bases in sports science, um, monitoring athletes, getting the best out of them, and part of that must include rest and rotation. He's had a long and extensive career, a long-time strength and conditioning coach for the Black Ferns as well as other pockets with New Zealand rugby as well. Jamie Tout, welcome into the show, Jamie. Thanks, Staffy. Mate, loving rocking out to those boots, mate. Well done. Yeah, it's a sad day when Tina goes. Oh, isn't it? Like 97 grand final. Darren Albert uh, scored the try in the, in the grand final and I think uh, everyone's got their memories of that song, Simply the Best, and it's one of the anthems you won't forget. Bang on. We'll play that later on as well. Now, Jamie, I don't know where to start. Rest and rotation, I know it's a big old question, but why and does it work? Mate, I think the first thing, look, I think it's uh, fair. Everyone, they, they, public should be frustrated. They don't get to see the best of the best every day of the week. But is it realistic? It's not. Like Everyone does want to see the best players out there all the time. Everyone, I think everyone would admit and they get that. But I think there's there's not really a connection between what's happening now in terms of rest and rotation if you draw a line back to what happened in a previous World Cup that we all don't like to talk about. <laughs> but that was probably more taken on from a physical approach, whereas today I think we do need to concede there's a, a lot more going on rather than just physical demands. I think we've exhausted um, discussions in the past around what does the physical load look like on athletes. Um, and we can talk more about that if you like, but we, we do know that it's a... It's a combat sport and it does take a toll on the body, but I think if you draw the line back again to that World Cup, it was based highly on physical rotation. Whereas today, I think we, we need to appreciate the absolutely massive toll that mentally and holistically it has not just on the players, but the final of those players as well when we break it down. Um, and I've got a few things here that I've been thinking about, mate, just to, to run through around what that could look like if you do get chosen in the All Blacks. Um, what does that toll look like, if you like? A lot of players, just on that point, have come out and say, either publicly or privately, they wish they could play every week, but they're forced to take stand-downs. I mean, Billy Harmon, who didn't even get on the bench last year for the All Blacks, he was stood down for All Blacks or player of interest rest after two games. Yeah, mate, there are, it's like anything. You, you love what you do, you want to do it every day. And so if you're a player, 100% I can understand why you want to be racing out there and ripping it up, it's, um, it's understandable. And if from a absolutely emotional attachment to the game, you, you want to do that. You want to represent the jersey. You want to re- uh, look after your mates. You want to be part of a team. I think um, the, the, the concessions, if you like, um, around how the, each athlete is treated is very much case by case. And so unlike a Billy Harmon compared to a Dane Coles or, or others, it's simply not comparable. Mm. You've got players within different positional groups, uh, different ages, and age doesn't equal experience. You've got guys who are young All Blacks who have played some, a, a good number of test matches, and you've got older athletes who um, haven't played anywhere near the same number of games at, at international level. And it's not just the game time. It does uh, transgress across uh, the amount of travel that's involved, um, the, the time between games, and I think probably the logical thing that people might do is draw a connection between the NRL and Super Rugby. 
Yep. Probably the primary difference between those two competitions is with the exception of our Warriors, um, every team is travelling and they're travelling more often. Uh, and aside to that, it's just the season length. You look at the rugby season these days, starts in February, um, goes through to November. We know by December the teams are back into super rugby mode. They've got a couple of weeks prior to Christmas they're training. They get Christmas off by 7th or 8th of January. They're back on the deck. They're getting the pre-season work done and they're into it. The NRL, um, again, only just trying to compare it with the sport we do, um, compare it to logically, mm. they haven't got that same length of season. The international season is nowhere near as long. And arguably, at the top echelons, we are only talking about three or four teams that's going to give you a real beat-up in rugby league at international level, opposed to this year's World Cup, which is one of the most open, I think everyone would agree, that we've ever had. Just on that point, um, because you know Darren Albert, uh, or you know of him, you would have know, you'd know of uh, Brett Kamali. And I, at the end of an interview, just a couple of weeks ago, I just said to him, you know, we're talking about rest and rotation a lot in rugby over here. I said, um, I just asked for his take on it because when he was at his height, he he played every NRL game, all the State of Origins, and all of the Kangaroos, and it was about a ten month year. And I said, how were you at the end of the season? He said, I was fine. He said, I didn't want to rest. I'm a paid professional. I need to play. My rest and rotation is Monday to Friday, and then I suit up on Saturday. And he took it upon himself. He took his own personal responsibility to look after himself within his club, and they would have facilitated it with his physio, with his mindfulness, with his diet, with his recovery, and all of that. And he said, Mate, I'm a professional athlete. I need to play every week. And he would have been pissed off if they said, oh, we're resting yeah. you this week. And it, there seems to be this sports science out there that seems to be applied on rugby and not on league, and they'd have access to all of that same science I'd imagine but they don't seem to use it as rugby do yeah oh, Steffi, I'm not sure if I agree that they don't use it as much as some bloody good um, SNCs and, and physiologists and data scientists out there in league and to be fair we've taken a steer off them in the past and there's um, I think AFL in particular has used it as much as anyone um, the AFL rules in fact were changed because of the way in which data science had been used uh, some clubs during an AFL came AFL game were getting well over 120 rolling substitutions in a game. Um, for those that watch AFL, they may have seen the Swans uh, pick one out of the death last week. They played a team that made 76 uh, substitutions, and they can only make 75, so the Swans got a free kick right at the death to, um, to steal that one. But the reason they reduced the substitution rules was because people were getting bloody good at the data science and knowing when to substitute players or what their, their um, where the drop-offs were occurring and, and the like. Um, you mentioned Darren Albert. Yeah, I was with him two weeks ago, in fact, and he, oh. he made the comment at dinner one night that, um, that how, how the game has changed. And he said, look, running around in those baggy jerseys back then and replaying the memories of his 97 try, um, it, it's just different. It, it is just different. And there is a lot more expectation on players. And yeah, you're right. It's a, it is professional. Um, you don't have the, the, the Friday game and the Saturday-Sunday binge sessions and, and rock up on Monday and try and get back into it. It's just, it is just a different animal. Um, Super Rugby, in fact, has uh, had subtle changes this year that sort of maybe go unnoticed. Um, look, we've got a, a maximum of 18 games. Um, the All Blacks are resting players for a maximum of two games. And a subtle change this year is that in this draw, there is only one buy. Previously, there was two. So there's different subtleties about the competition that um, they do change the way that anyone... Uh, who's looking after those players will, will look at it. And, but probably the, 
the biggest thing that when I you asked me about coming on the show that I had had a had a bit of a look into is what happens next for these All Blacks once Super Rugby finishes and let's all hope we get two New Zealand teams in the in the final. But the day uh, what, what is it? It's final gets played on a, a say a sad day. Um, Super Rugby finishes. Once it finishes, they depart on the Tuesday to head to Argentina to play Argentina on the sad day. Mm. They lose a day in transit. They come back on the Monday and they run straight into the box um, head on on that following sad day. And from that point on, they are only going to be home those that All Black squad if they play uh, all the games, go on all the camps and all the all the tours. They're home for three weeks out of the next twenty. Now, for someone who's travelled a lot and been away from home, that's got a, a massive massive toll. And it's again not just that that physical load being away from the, the whānau and that mental expectations and the holistic expectations of whatever happens. I think that's just something that should be talked about probably more. Like we, we, The physical load's obvious. It's a combative sport. We know how far they run, how hard they hit. And to your point about the rugby league players, yep, um, different animal. And it has changed. It's evolved. But certainly something that I think we should acknowledge is that, that um, toll that it takes mentally and, and holistically. So is there a process put into place that you want, uh, because it's World Cup year, we want our top 15 or top 23 All Blacks to be at a 100% peak for quarter semi-final. And so it's then stepped back. What do we need to do for those camps? What What's our championship? Um, and so there's almost like a forced dilution of Super Rugby because we're considering the World Cup to be at our absolute best there. Oh, mate, I, I can't speak for the All Blacks. I, I get the, the temperature of the room against, uh, amongst a number of SNCs, not just uh, in rugby, but across other codes as well. And I think, yeah, 100% there's more awareness and wanting to have the same players on the field more, more often. And I think if you if you look back at eras of very successful teams, whether it was uh, the Crusaders or the Chicago Bulls, whatever you like, they had a core group of players that played a shitload of games and they were on the field at the same time. And that that's what um, I think any number of teams will want, the same players playing more often. Yes, there's a lot to be said about building the depth. You can do that by bleeding less players in uh, amongst a, a wider squad, not trying to do massive holistic changes. And we know that teams with lower injury rates tend to be more successful uh, when it comes semi-final and finals. Um, ways of managing those, those injuries, we do know that significant spikes in workload uh, don't often present injuries immediately. Uh, they'll often turn up um, in a more chronic fashion, so they don't happen acutely over the course of one or three days of high training, but it may well happen in the 20 or 21 days thereafter where the load has been accumulated and built up. So there's a, there is a lot that goes into it, and like I say, I can't put words in the mouth of the All Blacks, but I do know that um, very much the loads are handled case by case and in conjunction back between um, Super Rugby clubs and, and, uh, and the All Blacks themselves. You're just expanding on the case by case. I always remember a very valuable oh, three minutes I had with the scrum guru, Mike Cron, and I just talked to him. I said, why is all the front rows just replaced at the same time every week, whether they're playing well or playing not? And he told me that 85% of calf, Achilles, ankle injuries to front rowers happens uh, 65 from the 65th minute to the 80th minute. He said, so we get them off. Uh, very rarely do they have to go on if there's been a double injury and that sort of thing. So so I learnt that and I was like, 
God, I wish we all knew that. Um, why, why hasn't that been shared? I shared it far and wide, and I've told the story a number of times, and it just makes sense to me. That's why they're all taken off. Yep. A lot of people say, why did they take Aaron Smith off? He was dominating, and, and they've put on someone. Why would you take your best player off? And it's probably an injury prevention. So where I'm going with this, Jamie, is um, not only strength and conditioning, the science of sport, does it get down to there might be a – Let's use the Hurricanes halfbacks, presuming TJ Perinara is fully fit and he won't be far away. You've got someone over 30, you've got someone like Cameron Gard just over 20. Their rest, their recovery, all of their things are completely different because they're 10 years apart. Yeah, mate, I'm glad you talk about Chrono because, uh, yeah, the GOAT of obviously scrum coaches here in New Zealand has a lot of influence over a lot of people. And uh, one thing he's always been extremely good at is the collaboration between his support staff. So he, he will learn from uh, the Pete Gallagher's and the Nick Gills of the world around sort of what they need in their athletes and what they're seeing in terms of their data science and and supporting um, from a technical, tactical point of view what's happening physically. So there's none none better than Chrono and he asks a lot of good questions, that's for sure. And it's, it is through that sort of uh, that, that monitoring device that you see on the back of the, the players, those mm-hmm. little matchboxes that collect a hell of a lot of information. Uh, 90, uh, it's about a million data points uh, per athlete every 90 minutes. Wow. Everything from GPS and heart rate and accelerometers all ticking over at a great rate of knots. And that's where the, the thinking does come from to inform good decisions around where are those drop-off periods in a game. And as you point out, there, there is a, um, an accepted standard, I guess, that that front row and halfbacks are changed uh, about two-thirds of the way through a game, give or take, um, because the, of those things. It's the drop-off in physical performance and it's also the drop or the increased uh, risk there is in injury. And potentially staff without sort of, um, again, speculating what the reasons they're doing at these uh, in, in any particular team. But one reason that we don't maybe share it is because of the performance advantage that's been given us to know that first. <laughs> it's sort of been a proprietary piece of, hey, if we do this at 60, we are going to get a, a small window of time where our intensity will lift and the other team maybe hasn't quite got there yet. And the only way I can describe that in terms of a, a game flow is a bit like when Usain Bolt was running his 100 metres. It wasn't the fact that he was speeding up more at the end of a 100 metres, but he was retaining his intensity and top speeds all the way throughout. And I think we all give uh, the All Blacks kudos that we, we respect that them as a team. They're able to do that quarter by quarter. The level of intensity is, is uh, if not the same, it, it's... Um, it's not dropping off, that's for sure. And that's, again, why they make those substitutions around injury management and also performance. Yeah, you've clarified stuff well for me there and the listeners. Uh, I guess my takeaway here, Jamie, is you've explained it and, and the little thing I learned from uh, Chrono, like just this wizard. Um, could, could sports do better at informing us as instead of just saying we're doing rest and rotation and they need rest? I think the public... Um, deserve and would love a little bit of a not dumbed down but an explanation like yes we know Adi Savia he got suspended earlier this year for an unfortunate hand gesture he got suspended but that didn't count as a day as a missed game so he had that one he's had the bye and then he's had two more so there's sort of four Um, but just an explanation um, because it's 
we're left trying to identify shadows and make up our own minds. And I've always said speculation leads to in- inaccuracies. Um, do you feel like the flow of information as to some wise, which incidentally I think the NRL do wonderfully, they have the press conferences, they have Graham Annesley comes out and goes through all of the decisions. I think the New Zealand public would be receptive to, we're resting three players here, um, rather than that's where the sentence ends, we're resting three players here against the Chiefs, um, not that we're going to throw the game, but they're more important to us there and there and there. We're left to make up our own minds. So is, could communication be improved, I think, to the stakeholders, which are the fans and the public? Oh, look, fair question, Staff. And I, I've got to say, I did miss that. went through to the keeper on me that uh, Artie's game for that suspension didn't count as one of... I didn't count as a game, so... Uh, I had missed that. Look, I think you're right. Um, I won't. I won't swear and use your beat button, mate. But assumption is the mother of all mistakes. Um, it is. It is important to give things context, and we all talk about how important communication and connection is in teams. So, yeah, by by that rationale, yeah, maybe there is a, an opportunity to uh, have those those conversations. I think sometimes what does happen, um, the conversations are happening directly between the the player and the Super Rugby franchise, and often won't want to share exactly the rationale or reasoning behind uh, why an athlete's been rested on a particular game, whether it's to try and um, protect that athlete because of uh, other reasons, whether it's physical or holistic or mental. Uh, but, yep, I think it's a fair question to ask and, and maybe tapping into some of the other support staff from time to time uh, rather than the coach might be a way to do that. Um, yes, I, look, I, I think it's a fair expectation, staff, that could be asked of uh, a bit more detail sometimes around those players but hopefully today we've talked about some of the big rocks and reasons why why these decisions are being made and I, I myself was really surprised when I just heard and joined the dots on how often those All Blacks are going to be away uh, leading into that World Cup um, over that 20 week period three weeks being home in 20 weeks is not a long time. Yeah because I, I say if the if they want buy-in from the fans, they need the information rather than it's just the way it is. Oh, we've always done it like that. We know what our do- what we're doing. I think share with us and t- you know put us in your caravan and take us with you because with understanding become I think comes acceptance. It is a bit different, isn't it? Like sport and the nature of the uh, black ferns and all blacks and all our uh, black caps, all our high performance teams and potentially the football ferns too, they're going to come under similar scrutiny during the World Cup to explain decisions. And arguably um, other industries don't face that same public scrutiny because they are in a private sector and internally they may face it, but externally they don't. So I'm sure there's some some learnings and, um, as you say, communication is key. And um, being a a public forward-facing brand where fans play such a a major role, then, yeah, maybe there is a, a better way to sort of get those messages across and... I don't think that it's not disingenuous by any stretch. I mm. think it's just sometimes been given that opportunity. Yeah. Brilliant, Jamie. I've held you for way longer than what I committed to. Uh, appreciate if you're not telling me <laughs> to bugger off and sticking in with us. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I know the listeners do as well. Thank, thanks for coming on, buddy. No worries, Steph. I actually told one of your mates to bugger off a moment ago, Rowan Swain, if you're listening, mate, to get out of my office to take this call, mate. So, Swain, hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> Good on you, Jamie. Thanks, mate. See you, Steph.